What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? We are back again. New York City meets Bama. Chris Merriman, your host with... Katerina. We are back at it again, and we've been discussing what the heck we're going to talk about at the intro of these videos, because we go through so much each week, it's like, it just turns into a blur of what we've been working on throughout the week or previous weeks, where all we went. So we decided we're going to go talk about or try to talk about where we ate or some experiences we had while we traveled, right? Because we've done a lot of cool stuff that I think a lot of people should try. Like like one thing that Kat got me to go do while we were inside, I think it was Vegas, wasn't it? Yeah. We went to Nobu, which I did not expect to be a cool restaurant or anything. Like who named something Nobu? I don't know what that stands for. He had for. no idea what it was. Although this man loves sushi and he had no idea what Nobu was. Yeah. So it was really awesome. What was the steak? I had some sort of... It was in fancy. Wagyu. Wagyu. Whatever that is, is freaking good. So... For those that don't know what Nobu is, it is a, I guess, Japanese? Is that what it is? I don't know. No, it's a, st- I guess so, because it's a steakhouse that also has sushi, but everything's like top. Steakhouse? Is it? Well, they had Wagyu steak, but I had it's it. Japanese. Inso- yeah, you're right, because I had my steak instead of a sushi roll, so. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it's a really cool restaurant. They have multiple locations all over the world. And Chris and I went to the one in Las Vegas in Caesar's Palace, and it was beautiful. And then who did we see? I don't remember his name, but it's the tall guy off, off uh, Wedding Crashers. Yes, him. Oh my god! I gosh. don't remember his name either. I thought either. you knew his name. No. I was like, I shall say it. No, but French, w- France. Oh no, but anyway. So we walk in, we're waiting for our seat, and he just walks right by. This just celebrity just walks right by, and we're like, oh, what did we just see? <laughs> so the reason we bring this up is to kind of show you guys, like, go out of your comfort zone, create the life that you want, and amazing things and interesting memories will happen. Vince Vaughn. It's Vince Vaughn. Yeah. That man is a giant in person, He too. was so tall. I was like, oh. <laughs> you, like, that's what you hear is everybody gasping as they recognize because he is like strutting out of that mm-hmm. place like I don't know what table or what back room they had him in but he wasn't around the public and then all of a sudden he's just running out it was pretty neat yeah that's it yeah I got you guys if you're building up your lifestyle and whatnot, you know a lot of these guys say hey to be a millionaire you know walk the walk talk the talk and they want you to experience some of those pieces because the little nuances let you know what's coming and it gives you a, a reason to keep pushing. And it sort of trains your mind of, hey, this is how my lifestyle is going to be. And even though that's one nuance, right, it's, it's still a pretty neat experience that you wouldn't get without traveling and you won't get if you don't go and try to have those experiences. So get out of your comfort zone. Go make some more money. Go do the fun stuff, the cool stuff. Make some freaking memories. Yeah. All right. And then go watch the rest of this episode. <laughs> this is it. We all know being an entrepreneur is hard. It comes with lots of mental challenges and confidence struggles. For me, I've dealt with imposter syndrome and found that talking to someone has helped me find myself and strengthen my confidence. It can be difficult to navigate it on your own. Now, because of professional therapists, you don't have to. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp can give you tools to approach your life in a very different way. No matter where you are, You can talk to a professional therapist that fits your unique needs and an affordable cost. Just fill out a few questions and BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in just days. Put yourself first and use BetterHelp services today and you will receive 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. Use the link in the description below this show. You deserve to be happy too. 
use the link betterhelp.com slash NYC meets Bama. Again, betterhelp, H-E-L-P slash NYC meets Bama. BetterHelp wants all of you to be as successful as possible and help you reach your fullest potential. Connect with the therapist today. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? We are back with another episode of New York City Meets Bama. I'm your host, Chris Merriman, with... Katerina. Today we got a special guest on, Paul Fink, the Maverick Millionaire. You might have seen him in episode two if you did watch it. If not, go back and see it. A lot of great tips and tricks there. As well as today we're going deep diving into human behavior, NLP. Maybe he'll teach us a little about a hypnosis. Aren't you trained in that, Paul? Every bit. <laughs> Every bit. Excellent, excellent. We're going to do a, a, as deep a dive as we can in about an hour to break down what are key characteristics of human behavior mixed with NLP and how that all equals into a sell or a close, especially whenever you're working in front of people, right? Hand in hand or face to face or from a stage, that sort of thing. And, and some tips and tricks that you can walk away with to take with you the next time you're put into that position or it's time for you to try to close a deal or make a sale. Yeah. All right. Here, here. And yes, hi, guys. I am Paul Fink, the Maverick Millionaire, international speaker, trainer, coach, and here to, to share with you sales and, and influence and persuasion and key components. Over and above all that, I am most importantly Katarina's dad. So yeah. that's one of my major claim to fames now. So pay attention and uh, would love to talk. I've been in the sales arena for so long, started off in psychology, got trained to be a clinical psychologist, and then decided to use it in sales, persuasion, influence, team building, business building for the last 36 years. And I kind of feel like I've come full circle in now coaching and training, which is a lot of counseling as well. So the whole concept of, of counseling and psychology has come full circle. But so much of what we do in, in communication these days is, is centered on sales and marketing and how to engage with people and really connect and how we can do that nowadays. And you were talking about all those great things, how we can do that even virtually, how we can do that even through Zoom and yeah. build that connection, which is so important these days with all that we're doing. Absolutely, yeah. And with that being said, you know, even though we're through a camera screen, a lot of guys that are watching or viewers that are watching right now can see our interactions, and it makes you feel different about the conversation. If you don't know how to express tonality, and if you can bump that up with whatever body language you have, then it will assist you in that process of conveying emotion, which can also help convey a sale or anything like that. Like, what would you say your number one structure is for – analyzing body language. So you, you run up on a stage and that's your first instinct. What do you do naturally to either start building rapport because you're at a warm audience, right? They may have heard your name. You're about to get up on stage. Now what? Now how do you start that process verbally and with your body language? But, and there are multiple techniques. So in room full of people, you want to, there are certain techniques to engage with them. One is you want to have open body language. There's, definitely a understanding of vulnerability that is conveyed when people are open. And what does an open body language means? It means exposing the most vulnerable parts of your body, which are everything from your throat, your neck area, your throat, all the way down, all where all your vital organs are, all the way down to, well, 
we don't need to talk about there. And so understanding how to expose all that, and the more exposed you have all that area of your body, the more people trust you because you're leaning in and trusting them first by exposing yourself. I love that. Does that make sense? hundred percent does. Yeah. So you're creating an open area for everybody to be comfortable with you and you're showing vulnerability to bring you and that other person together, or at least that group of people, right? Because a lot of what we'll right. be discussing today is, you know, from the stage, like it's easier, I'd say, to build rapport and things if you're one-on-one with a person, because all you have to do is analyze their actions. But when you're in front of masses, it's different. Like one of the techniques is like mirroring, right? Copycatting someone else's movements. But if you're a one-on-one yes. person, they cross their leg or their arms, you do the same, right? But how do you mimic that inside of a mass full of people? <laughs> you can be a little bit dichotomy with uh, crossing your leg left and right, depending on who you were looking at at the moment. One of the things that you want to do, again, that open stance, if you will, that open format, and absolutely walk the stage and, if possible, walk the room. It's one of the techniques, if you watch some of the best influencers, some of the best salespeople in the world, they get off the stage. They, they don't yeah. get stuck behind a podium. And, oh, and by the way, get rid of the podiums. Get rid of those things that you lean on. Because one of the things when we talk about NLP is actual physicality that it's blocking your energy between you and the other person. And anything that's blocking that flow of energy will interfere with your connectivity. So just like you have an open stance. Wouldn't you be defeating the point of vulnerability then? Because obviously they can't see. It's like you're hiding behind something. Yeah, absolutely. So get rid of the podium. Get rid of all those things on stage so that you can be connected to your audience. And then get off the stage, I mean, and get into the audience so that you can be walking the audience and touch. Touch is one of the biggest connective uses that are techniques that we have. So if you're just walking down the aisle and you just tap someone's shoulder, oh, hmm. they feel you. Well, now let me ask. What about with COVID? Because that doesn't but, seem very COVID friendly. <laughs> yeah, there's no such thing anymore. We're, we're over that, aren't we? Come on, we're gone. We're done with that. Yeah, you know, and that's the biggest challenge, you know, with and to be real about COVID and all that's happened in the last several years. One of the biggest challenges is that our face delivers so much information to the other person. Our face delivers so much of our of the understanding of what we're saying. It's not the words we're expressing. That's a small fraction of communication. It's the intonation and the physicality of what's happening with our face that gives that emotion. When it's blocked by a mask, 90% of communication is going away. And that's such a devastating place for our future. And it really hurt everybody during the COVID years. And younger children are, are now that it grew up, almost literally grew up with a mask on their face, have a, are now it's showing are having a harder time communicating with people because they don't right. know how to express certain things, certain emotions. 
and yeah, certain feelings and it. certain thoughts physically. Absolutely, yeah. And as well, though, like if you – so obviously now that I'd say COVID's over, like hopefully those kids are able, able to recover because they have missed two years of communication. Like that's, that's – if they were into the earlier childhood stages, that probably did make a massive right. impact for them. And with touch, yeah, you know, a lot of that communication may be almost frowned upon now by certain viewers, but at least, you know, whenever you're the person filling the room, you can choose who your audience is a little bit that may feel differently about that. But with that, if it's a man versus a woman, do you touch them differently, right? Do you use the front of your hand versus the back of your hand, a, a palm? You know, what yeah, do you do? how do you know their welcoming of it? Because I know a lot of people that are like, don't touch me, I don't want to be touched, so how do you know what the right move is when... Right. So there's a certain amount of reading the personality from across the room. And I teach certain techniques on how to read instantly what type of personality there is. So fortunately, there's about three fourths of our population that are completely comfortable with being touched. So we're in good stead. We're within a lot of statistical variance there to be able to touch the people around us. There is a segment of, of our population that absolutely does not want to be touched, and which is perfectly fine and learn to give them grace and recognize who they are from across the room. And you can, they will definitely be the ones, for instance, that hold their hands to their side. You know, their hands are not here. Their hands aren't out here because that's more likely to touch more people. And so you can tell by their stance and by how they engage, whether they're approachable or not, because they'll be the ones that will be a little more stiff and have their hands down by their side and almost tight to their side. And you, you can tell, so the people that have a lot more motion, they're the ones that would be more receptive to being touched than those that are more reserved in their own motion so should you. And it goes back to that mirroring and matching that you were talking about, Chris. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And mirroring would be a, a harder piece to do with masses, but something I think that would be highly effective in a, an audience version would be anchoring. I, would, I think even with a mass audience, you could anchor everybody to a concept or a thought or to help everybody individually come back to an area where they had a certain emotion and anchor them to what the future can look like, right? Like I went through a hypnosis training with a gentleman and we went through an anchoring process and I still have this, what we refer to as a portal, but I still can produce this purple round spot that's in front of me that whenever I step into, I remember all the same smells, the feeling, where I was at, all those things. And it's amazing what that can do. And that could be duplicated in an audience, you know, situation where you have a room full of people. Can you go into how that would affect a cell or how you utilize that if you do? Oh, my gosh. There was a great, great tool that I got introduced to years ago, and someone used it in this way. They had a ornament, where, and they could have used it as a bracelet or a necklace or even an earring that was designed where you could outline every letter of the alphabet in the way it was designed, right? And with that, what they would do is they would say, okay, you know, maverick. And they would outline in the ornament, in the necklace, oh, here's M, here's A, here's V, here's E, and demonstrate outlining that and have everyone outline it on the necklace, 
in the ornament, outline the M, outline the A, outline the V, and then have them hold it. And as you can imagine, every time you hold it, you think Maverick. And every time you hold it, you're thinking Maverick. Now think Maverick and you're holding it tight. And every time you touch this, you will think of all the passion, all the excitement, and all the greatness that you have inside of you that you are feeling right now. And say it out loud with me, Maverick. And all of a sudden, you've just anchored everything that's going on in that event and even your own branding to that thing. And what great, oh my gosh. So now people are now wearing the necklace, wearing the bracelet, and they're walking around and they're like, Maverick, even though it could spell anything in the world, but it spells Maverick to them. You know, and what a great, and you could do this in so many things, you know, like you said, visualize just the purple dot in front of you. Visualize, so it could be something physical, or it could be something imaginary. And either way, you build the image around it and then repeat it with a high emotional state and then have them touch in a certain way, move in a certain way, visualize in a certain way. Bam. Yeah. They're there. Absolutely. I've seen people even utilize it to anchor to the past emotions that they're sort of running from. It's almost like to a therapy point to bring it out in front of them. That way they can see it. So whenever they have a certain smell or something, they can feel all those old emotions. That way they have control enough to, with them right. to push them back away to focus on the future and what their new new desires are going to be. So it's definitely a super yeah. powerful technique and you know something I've seen you utilize in the past. Oh, absolutely. And, and anchoring, what we call anchoring and triggering, are so powerful. The anchoring is creating it. The triggering is, is bringing it back again. And when we're talking about past images, past emotions, past uh, memories, if you will, one of the key components that I, that I found fascinating is that our memories are not real. They're just our reflections and our thoughts about what happened in the past. And we could prove that they're not real. Go to an accident site, all the witnesses for the accident, ask every witness what happened. You'll get a hundred different answers. Right. So you know that what's in front of you and what you remember are two totally different things. So now imagine that you're 15, you're 12, you're 10, you're 3, and you're remembering these things about how good your friend was or how bad your parents might have been or how, you know, and you have these memories. They're all made up because all you're remembering is your molding of that image, of that idea of what happened. So now you take that and you understand that that's just a creation of your own making of that moment. Well, guess what you can do when you recognize it's your own creation of that moment? You have a bad memory? Recreate it. <laughs> you know, put really, you know, speed it up. Have you ever done this exercise, Chris? I don't think so. Katerina, have you ever heard? Oh, this is powerful. Think of anything that any emotion, and you could make it a, just a really sad, really just painful emotion that you have, a thought, a memory, and you bring it up, like, and you really hold it, really put yourself into it. 
And when you're holding on to that memory in this moment that was so painful for you, and I want you to be playing it and watching it like you're watching a movie. And as you're watching the movie, well, speed it up. Now just speed up so all the people are moving super fast and and the music is or the sound is now super fast and you can barely hear the gerbling. They all sound like chipmunks. And now you they're moving around and you put little red noses on everybody there. Right? Little red nose on everybody there. And they, they have big floppy feet. Every person that's running around have big floppy feet. And now all the walls start wobbling that are in the in your vision. And all of a sudden, now you put carnival music in the background. And now play the same image. It's hard not to smile and laugh. Only a second ago, this was the most painful image you could possibly bring up. And as you go through this exercise, within minutes... You're smiling about it because it's ridiculous. You mold, you create whatever you want to think. And you have the power to change it like that. That's hypnosis. That's neurolinguistic programming. That's the power of the brain. Yeah, I think that's now, super powerful because most people don't recognize the studies that have been done to prove that our memories are not reality, right? They're not actually the way things laid out and played out. There are anchoring to those moments and how we visualize what would have caused those emotions. And that's how we replay that back in our head. And it probably twists a little bit every time we replay, you know, based on how that emotion or our stance towards that emotion is. And we know we do that. Ever have that thing that was really painful and then as the years go on, you just start making a joke about it. And now it was something from your childhood. And now you're like, oh, that was ridiculous. Hopefully Katerina has lots of these, like she now thinks are ridiculous, but they <laughs> might have been painful. I don't know. No. So, well, so thank you for that. Huh? We've gone through a lot of body language pieces there. So from mirroring, you know, copycatting someone else's uh, movements or actions to, to create a sub, subliminal or subconscious rapport with them, right? Because they feel like you're doing the same thing they are and yet you are liking kind in some way, right? as well anchoring, helping your client go back to a, a point or anchoring them to a concept, a device, a, a brand, or a time in life, anything like that, right, to help them really remember and grasp an emotion towards whatever you're selling your product or the, what their future can look like. As well as um, what do you say positioning would play a role with? So, like, whenever I say positioning, I know if anybody's from the marketers cruise listening to this, they have a different take on your positioning, but... Now, now. <laughs> the standard term of positioning. So a stage is normally set to be a few feet higher. Is there a purpose for that? Oh, so positioning literally can mean hierarchical positioning. So when we talk about subordinates, we are literally saying that they are sub where we are. They're lower in positioning than we are. That's a subordinate. It's part of our English language patterns. And so in physicality, in a physical sense, when you position yourself to be higher, uh, that's why a stage elevated by two or three feet makes a huge difference. You're literally looking over everybody and you're standing above them. And thus your authority, your expertise is perceived as higher. And so all those things, and so so in influence, persuasion, and you're walking up to somebody, you can literally utilize this to either 
empower yourself by being above them, subordinating yourself by being below them, or coming as their equal by how you approach them, how you square off with them, and how you shake their hand. For instance, when you're approaching someone and you want to be, you want to feed into their ego, but also in a moment of respect, you can lower your body, lower your eyes, almost in a slight bow as you're approaching them, and it gives them the upper hand. So if you want to give respect, you walk up with a lower stance, with almost a bow. You can do that with simply a handshake. When two people shake hands, oftentimes you'll see that one hand is on top of or the other hand is on top of the other. You could do it equal, only it doesn't always happen that way. When you're conscious of this, you can do that deliberately to give a sense, to give a feeling, an emotional. This is pure emotional connectivity. Move your hand so your palm is facing up, thus their hand is over yours. When you shake their hand, you're giving them literally the upper hand. And so if you want to walk into negotiations, letting them feel like they've got the upper hand, you move your hand so it's lower. So your palm is facing up when you shake their hand. They'll feel more powerful. Now, sometimes that's feeding into their ego and giving them respect. Sometimes that's a technique to help them think they've got the upper hand. And when you're going into negotiations. Right. Which puts them off center because now they may take you for granted because they're feeling more like they've got the authority. So there are ways, you know, you can utilize techniques like this to empower, to communicate, to connect, to influence, persuade, and negotiate. And all of these, once you know them, you can effectively use them And the challenge is that a lot of people look at these things as manipulative. And in a sense, it's a negative. It's bad. Knowledge is never bad. Knowledge is knowledge. Information is information. How you use it. And almost all information can be used for good or bad. So... Learn these techniques, learn how this happens, be aware of it when other people are utilizing it on you. That's right. And use it for good to empower yourself, to empower others around you, and to create a win 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 with everybody in your presence. That's the power of it. You want to be ignorant, you don't want to know about it because, oh, that's manipulative techniques. Well, that's just that knowledge is knowledge, it's not good or bad. Bring it in so that you understand what's happening. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, if all you could do is communicate, which in some people they're going to say, oh, that's selling or whatever it is, but really it's just effective communication, right? Because if the person needs that product or needs whatever you have to offer, they wouldn't be able to have access to it without you as the barrier. So you can look at it as a negative or a positive based on if it's effective for that person. But 
if the product's not effective for the person and you're forcing it down their throat because you have an upper hand because you know more, well, then, yeah, you should be uh, skeptical of your own practices. But I've seen a lot of people who get beat up on for being salesmen and such whenever they're doing a lot of good in the world. And the people who actually bought their product were quite beneficial, you know, benefited from it. Yeah, no question. And just be aware, again, it's knowledge is power. That's right. Know the knowledge, understand it so that you can empower yourself and others. Yeah, so just then you just backed up on your tone a little bit. So with that, if you were on stage going from with all this communication, all the body language we're talking about, understanding psychology, you know, what's going on in someone's head while you're speaking, I just saw you sort of you wanted to pull back. Maybe you couldn't all the way because your microphone, but you dropped your tone because of that. Why does that play a role and how do you effectively use that? When do you go to a whisper? When do you lean in? When do you lean back? Things like that. Yes. <laughs> so fluctuating your tone is as important as knowing when to use it. Simply being able to run the dance and run the gamut of being high empowered, high influence, right in their face. And then being able to tone down and understand that we're just people talking here, enjoying each other's company, spending a little time with family and friends. And that scope and being able to do that dance of being that empowered, loud, directive communication to soft tones, more prose, more sentence, utilizing words that have more feeling and emotion that's being triggered in connectivity, understanding that flow. How do you utilize that is, well, one, we've just demonstrated it, but two is when you're in an audience, you want to get a feel for who's in the room. And when we talk about mirror and matching, oftentimes it's one-on-one. -on -one. We're looking at the person in front of us and we're mirroring and matching their stance, their style, their tone, their dress, all of the above. You can do that with a whole audience. Now, it's not every individual person in the audience, but it's the matrix of them all. What do they all have in common and what's the majority of them how do they express themselves? Do they express themselves more softly? Do, or are they more loud and, and crazy? Do they move around a lot or are they much more state in how they address life? All these things you can pay attention to as a group and then engage with them in that way. It's just like a, a company will have a company culture. And a company will have a company feel. Well, how does that happen? There are, you know, a hundred individuals in the company or a thousand individuals. But there's one major theme that drives all of them. There's one major connection that the majority of them are in this same feeling, this sense, the same values, the same principles. We'll tap into that when you're talking. Thus, you're talking to the majority as a group speaking right to their values, their principles, and how they act. So you're mirror and matching them as a group. Yeah. Have you ever experienced people thinking that you were coming across fake because you're able to transition into those different tones of voice? Yes, all the time. Uh, it actually is probably my biggest Achilles heel. I've been in sales for 36 years. I've also been in a suit for like almost 50 years. 
And so I went to school where we were required to wear a suit and tie. I like learned how to play soccer wearing a suit at recess. And so when people see me and they see me all dressed up and I've got my suit and tie on and I'm all proper, they're like, well, relax already. I was like, I'm fine. I don't know about you. Let's go play soccer. And, and then I learned sales and I was in high level sales component in Midtown Manhattan selling consultative selling in the medical field. And with that, it became a natural thing for me to learn how to fluctuate my voice and to engage. And I will say, one of the things that I've learned is manipulation has everything to do with intentionality. Mm-hmm. That it's the intent and the heart and soul of the person that either creates manipulation or effectiveness and helping and engagement and communication and all the good things that we would say from the same behavior. And so one, I would encourage everybody to look at my heart and soul and my intent and recognize that if there's ever anyone out there that's thinking that, oh, he's a little too whatever. But how do you offset that? Is to get real with people. And it's one of the things that I've done a ton of work on is to help people understand that even though I've been on stage for a couple decades almost now, and I've been in business for multiple decades, that I still have my tough days. I still have my ups and downs. I still have my chit chat that goes on in my head. And with all the work that I've done with Millionaires and even billionaires, man, the chit chat doesn't go away. We just learn how to effectively control it yeah. or at least engage with it. But to be have those honest conversations with people to tell them we're all the same. We're all here going through our day to day. And once you recognize that, everything else becomes easier. Right. So you kind of just build rapport and show them who you are and your values and that you're living life the same way they are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was a huge benefit too. Like whenever I went to your first event and I I was able to go to your VIP party, like it helped me resonate with you because you sort of, you know, came off the stage, right? Where I could interact with you and things like that. So it was a huge benefit of why I was like, okay, I'm going to work with this guy. So Definitely. Yeah. And for all of you that are listening, that was long before the two of them were a oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. he had just met me just as a speaker. <laughs> yeah, I met Paul first, you know. then Cat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just crazy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's that. And it's one of the things, for instance, in building rapport that, for instance, during my events, I'll be dressed up on stage but then I'll have a party and I'll de- I deliberately go and change. And I change into jeans and a, and a shirt so that they see me in a different in a different way so that they know that may be me but this is also me and that that I'm just a human. Seeing a different version of you. Yeah, and it's real important to be able to show that to people no matter how they see you to help them see past the facade, if you will, even when we're virtual. (laughs) Right. I feel like what you were saying before with like the suit and tie 
when you were in school and then going to play soccer, like people just have stereotypes that they assume from people with how they dress or how they position themselves. So you being on stage dressed in a suit makes you somewhat as like the hierarchy in their minds, but you dressing down and going to the after party with them makes you them feel like, okay, you're like everyone else, but you just could help us in some way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some of the techniques when you're looking to in, to connect with people and in the influence, persuasion, sales, it's helping them see who you are. It's connecting with them by building trust, by being vulnerable yourself. And that's both in physical form as well as in verbal, telling stories that open you up and open up your emotions to them. And... Then the touch, like I said, get off the stage, actually engage with them in in physical sense. And so touching their shoulder, touching their arm, you know, and, and being conscious of the people that are okay to be touched versus not. And sometimes even when you're walking through, you can even ask them through your eyes, if not verbally, okay to touch? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you can bring your hand up and then they'll kind of give you a nod and then you put continue on and that'll often do as well the the other component in mirror and matching and we and we brush through it and i want to touch on because it's so important is that when you change of behavior is as important as behavior itself so oftentimes you'll see people that are like this It doesn't mean that they're disconnected. It doesn't mean that they don't like what you're saying. Unless, of course, they were like this a moment ago and then you said something and then they went like this. (laughs) Then it means something. And so that shift, that change of behavior. And so when you're on stage, one of the best clues, you know, you want to clue into your audience, be talking and watch the audience. If you see a handful of people, you say something and a handful of people do this, stop what you're saying immediately. (laughs) Like instantly change direction. Just mid-sentence, you can change and start talking about something else. It doesn't matter. You are on the wrong path and you'd better change direction now. And so that's a really clue. Now, here's the opposite of that. You're saying something and a handful of people or so in the audience all of a sudden lean forward or even better. And this is body language 909 level. They touch their spouse or their significant other right after you say something. They like what you're saying. It's gold. They app and thus that's what you want to be engaging with and do a deeper dive with because they're really enjoying it. Because what happens with people is that they're feeling that love and it's almost literally like they like something that you're saying and so they're feeling a good emotion. Well, that good emotion then connects them with the people that they love in their life and when they're right next to them, they reach out and touch them. And so when they're liking something that you're saying, you will have an audience that gets more physical with the people around them. And watch for that. Then you know you're on the right track. Is it helpful if you're a speaker 
if you're looking to engage an audience to know if you're saying something that's good or bad, positive or negative, effective or ineffective, yes, watch what happens with the audience as you're speaking and be able to change gears. Yeah, and I think that's huge. That's probably the massive piece that most people are missing to transition from an okay speaker to someone who can truly, you know, move mountains and make ripples, right? Because, you know, most people say like, oh, to make a sale or to make someone hire you or to work with you or connect with you, you need to build rapport or you need to show them what the future looks like. But I think 90% of sales or any involvement where another person likes you enough to do business with you comes from their, how well they felt understood. Because your ability to understand them is also going to correlate to your ability to actually help them. So if they don't think you can connect with them in some way or your path doesn't connect with how they got there, they don't see any future working with you or how you could assist them or better them. Yeah, they, they want to know that either you are like them or that you at least understand their journey. That's right. And it's so it, it's such an interesting thing because if you don't understand their journey, anything that you're saying they have to second guess because you know it let's just say you're selling them a car and you don't understand what it means to travel with a large family and you have a large family or the person that you're selling it to has a large family and you don't understand what that is and they feel like you don't understand what it means to travel with a large family when you say there's plenty of room in a car they gotta go yeah right mm -hmm. because they assume you don't get it yeah even if you're selling them the best car for them and it does have the plenty of room. They figure, they assume you don't get it unless you actually demonstrate and show them and help them understand that you're on the same page with them, that you hear them. Absolutely. And, and a lot of times, which I've seen most speakers do this or any uh, high quality speakers like yourself, that you'll take a lot of those same emotions and stories and build rapport with that because a lot of our journeys are very similar, right? We've all been through those hurdles and those emotional hikes up and down. But I, I'm guessing it's called like spatial anchoring or something, but where you take all their negative emotions that they've had through their past journey and push it to one side and then show them what all the positive and what the future can look like on the other side, right? So tell them, take all the bad stuff, push it over here. Let's focus on here. Here's the way forward right here. Yeah, absolutely. There's also a way that you can embody the greatest things that someone wants or the greatest things that someone is looking for. And so this is a, this is one of those, I'm not sure it's widely discussed techniques, only it's a powerful one and you'll absolutely see speakers, high level speakers that'll do this over and over again. They will talk about a person or an image or an avatar. They'll talk about, oh man, the person that you love, you can see them right here. That person that, that you want to do business with, that you want to engage with, that you just trust with all your might. That person could be right here in front of you. And they'll literally describe like the best person you would ever want and then step physically into the space that they just were motioning to. And thus, all that you literally stepped into the suit that you just described, and now they see you with that suit on. And that 
projection and then stepping into that projection, you'll see it. I guarantee now that we've talked about it, you will see it. When you see a high-level speaker, they will do that at some point during their presentation. It's almost a guarantee. But I've heard very few people yes. actually talk about it. Because what once you know it... Yeah, I've seen a, whenever there's two speakers, that one speaker will be there, he'll gain control of the stage and build a lot of rapport with the audience. And as he's bringing on the next speaker, he will show the same hands, point at the spot, and then he'll put that speaker where he was just positioned at to sort of convey power over to him. Absolutely. It's transferring of credibility, transferring of integrity, and transferring of power. Absolutely. It's one of the greatest techniques when you're actually passing, literally passing the baton, it's passing the microphone, and you're passing the baton to the person who's taking the stage next. It's one of the best ways to do that. Yeah, I saw a new method uh, yeah. from Andy Elliott this last weekend. We went to his event, and it's the only person I've seen do it in this manner, but he would get up on the back of the stage with him and his wife and just sort of like, I call it mean mugging, but it's just the way their persona is, right? Like they're powerful <laughs> people, and he's back there chewing gum and lets his team talk in front of him, and he never says a word. Just enough that you can see his face behind the person speaking, and then he never says anything. He's just conveying the power to that person. So it was really neat seeing how he did that without saying a word. Yes. There's other ways to do that similar thing. For instance, when you're presenting, if there's three people at the table and you're, two of you are partners and there's a third person that you're selling to, for instance, if you position the one who speaks the most on one side and you sit on the other side with the prospect, now you literally are side by side with your prospect and hearing this presentation together. Hmm. And when you say, hey, what do you think? It's as if you're not on that side, you're on their side of the table. And you literally are. And positioning in that way, so without ever saying much, you're, the positioning is making the impact. Makes a huge difference. I've also done it similar to what you were just talking about in events where if you're not the main speaker, to be seen agreeing with the main speaker while the main speaker is on stage isn't an easy thing. Usually you're in the back of the room. So when I was a prominent, you know, second, third, fourth, in command, if you will, in a room, I would walk the sides of the event or back, like you were saying, right behind the stage, but definitely along the sides of the event. And I'd walk the sides of the event, just stand there and be listening to the speaker. And in doing so, as the speaker said something that was empowering, I would catch the eyes of some of the other people in the audience because now they could see me and the speaker and I was angled in such a way and in catching their eyes, I would go. And that alone, the eye contact, the hand motion, the body language would create an instant bond and connection with us, even if we had never spoken. Hmm. Because now we were bonded by the agreement of what the speaker was saying. Wow. And in that moment, see them in the hallway just you know an hour later, we would already be friends because we had that moment of agreement. And it was just by walking the sides of the room, if you will. Yeah. Wow. That is deeper than it, I've ever heard that utilized before. That's pretty awesome. It was a powerhouse technique. Again, I've done over 250 boot camps all around the world. So 
I've been able to fine tune some of those engagements. And it is, and it's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, is that something that's, that's fair? I will say that we built a strong connection in doing that. You know, as I was doing that and I'd connect and just eye, lang- eye contact and a positive head nod, maybe a thumbs up with the hands, that alone like built, they would smile. They would do exactly what you guys just did. A little bit of smile, a little bit. Yeah, that's great. And in that way, we were bonded. It doesn't take much. And this is universal. One of the greatest things I figured out with when I studied body language, and I've been studying it for actually over 40 years now. I did papers of it when I was in college and even high school. Is that all of the things that we're talking about are universal. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. You look at a one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old kid and you smile, they smile back. It's universal. It doesn't matter you don't you speak a different language. It doesn't matter what culture they're from. They smile back. It's later on that they learn what's appropriate. But when they're young, it's free game. And you smile, they'll smile. You laugh, they'll laugh. Mm-hmm. Same thing as humorous to everybody in the world. That's key. And so all the things that we've talked about, they work everywhere. Yeah. They engage to connect people at a deeper level than, than anything that, you know, a word alone would ever do. Yeah, didn't you just get like 15 minutes on a stage with a group of people that didn't even speak English? Like they were you know, a whole another ethnicity and everything. And then you had the, like a third of the room or something sign up for something. I'm like, he had 15 minutes and doesn't speak yeah. the language. I'm guessing you were just up there miming yeah. stuff, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I found my niche. A whole group of people that couldn't understand a word I was saying. They loved me. Yeah. yeah. All from body language. <laughs> it's all from body language, and which is really key. You know, a small, small, small fraction of our communication is our actual words. Yeah. Everything else is physiology and biology of how we engage, our physical tone and, and uh, expressions. And so, yes, so that was a large part of it. It did help. I had an amazing interpreter uh, that was there that actually interpreted all the words, and she did uh, just one of the best I've ever seen. Really? Was she able to scream whenever you screamed and back up whenever you back up? She almost, almost did. She was really good at, and this is really good for interpreters, uh, she was good at mirroring the emotions around the words, not just copying wow. the words and yeah. translating them. That is amazing. So for, as different speakers had different tones, she shifted her tone. And it, it was spot on. It was really good. Yeah, just, again, it, it's about that emotion that comes with our words mm-hmm. on how to engage. Great stuff. It is amazing, yeah. Huh, so do you still feel that dressing in a suit is... Uh... Does it serve you, right? Because that's a little bit of disconnect. Oh. I know. We've had this discussion mildly before, well, like a year ago. I was like, I wonder how he feels. I will say that as the universe changes, interested in changing, and here's a couple things on that. You know, on the one hand, there's so many speakers, and I've seen it all over the place, where they, they want to dress down. One, it's, it is comfortable, and so they, well, it's so much easier. And on the other hand... Most people want to step up. And that's where the dichotomy of this conversation comes in. It's like most people say, yeah, yeah, I want the, you know, I want the laid back lifestyle. But they envy almost the guy who's in the 
you know, $5,000 suit getting into the jet. You know, they just, wow. And, well, that wow factor is an emotional pull that you go, okay, so if I'm in that suit and demonstrate to you that wow factor, is that a difference? And do you feel the emotion on wanting that? And how do I get that? Right. Or is it best I just show up in jeans and a t-shirt and old sneakers and go, hey. And I've danced that. What I can say is that uh, I know for me, I'm everything. And so I can be as comfortable in jeans and a t-shirt and hanging out in flip-flops as I can. Hanging out in a, in a $5,000 suit and uh, engaging in that level. What... What I would recommend for people is to continue to, to, one, connect with your audience by dressing similar to your audience. That always helps. What usually works to your benefit is to dress just above, not skyscraper above, but just above where your audience natural go-to is. If you're looking to sell, if you will, lifestyle, you're looking to sell wealth and influence than dressing just above where most of them would feel comfortable dressing is that little bit of, huh, hmm. that, that gets them to think maybe there's another level that I could go to. Right. Yep. And this is pulling back the curtain guys. I know, you can't I know, get any more stuff. real than this, but it is, it is what people get fascinated with. I know I've been buying custom suits for now it's been about 15 years. My mentor introduced it to me and I love custom suits. Gives me a lot of variety, a lot of fun. Like this one has 007 on the inside. This is cool. (laughs) So you have that, you can play with it and they also last longer, better quality, engaging in actually a better value buy. But I also can go in t-shirts and hang out. And we do when we're doing our mastermind. I'm just chilling and hanging out in jeans and t-shirt and sneakers and doing my thing. Yeah, I can't say it changed how much I learned. Whether you're in a suit or you're in flip-flops. No. Yeah, the suits, and for everybody that is looking to be an influencer in any level, you've got to, one, dress for your audience and know where your audience is at and have them understand that You can be dressing any which way that you want, only you choose to dress the way you are because. And have them understand why. I was just watching something and I saw this guy and he was alone in his house and he had, you know, he was dressed to the nines with his suit on. Well, I just scratched my head going, all right, that makes no sense. Uh, Like, what's the why in that one? But when you see the people and they're going to a luxury banquet and they're dressed in a suit, you go... That makes sense. Like, I, I understand why you would do that. And it's it's fun to, to play dress up. And I love it even on, you know, cruise when we have the luxury nights. I go to the nine. I've got my tux on. I'm, because for me, it's fun. And it, it's an enjoyable thing to do. And so you've got to find your own space. Yeah. What? what, what? I was going to say also from, like, as an individual, people want to dress nice and feel confident when they're just like by themselves. So they'll get dressed up if they're working at home because they know that they'll be more productive because they feel more confident because they look good. You mean put that makeup on and everything? Yeah. Because right. 
when COVID happened, a lot of people weren't dressing up and then they started to personally feel like less motivated, were not in the mood to do anything. And so if they got dressed up and felt like they had a purpose of presenting themselves, yeah. they produced more out of their day. Makes total sense. I like it. Yeah. Huh. One of the biggest challenges with, and in my era, in my years, we went from, oh, everybody reporting to work, all dressed up every day, to, oh, then they introduced casual Fridays. Casual Fridays. <laughs> right? Well, now it's like casual everything. Yeah. And what they found is that although casual Fridays, like, boosted morale initially, over time it actually hurt. It hurt production because people, as they dressed more casually, they were acted more like they would when they were dressed casually, Got it. which was working slower, thinking slower, mm -hmm. being more in our, in a snarky party mood than they were in a productive professional mood. And so all these things started shifting and it was subtle shifts over time that had a sliding scale of lowering productivity. And so now when we talk about this, like what do you do when you're dressed up to go on stage or to do, well, some of that is that component that I know that I and everybody else, when we dressed up, we feel different, we act different. And does that produce a, a better quality of us? And you've always got to scratch your head and think about that. Do I show up more effective? Do I show up my deeper, better self when I'm feeling good with what I'm wearing, when I'm feeling good about how I'm looking? And that's the thing that our society has not gotten clarity on because we're dancing this, well, is it okay to just dress whatever you want, wherever you want, however you want? And I don't think we've got a definitive answer yet. Yeah. There's a lot of people that have decided, oh, I'm going to do what I want. But I'm not sure it's been raising them to their highest potential. Well, because that's like the argument, right? They're like, oh, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to dress casual. Oh, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to wear a nice suit because I can afford it, right? Like both serve. It just depends on which lens you're looking through. So it depends on the room that you're in at that point. The question is, is that when you dress down, when you are dressed you know, and part of what Katarina was saying, it's not just comfortable, it's sloppy or I don't care what my hair looks like or I don't care what, you know, whether I look nice. And when we're dressing, oh, well, what difference does it make? Well, it really doesn't make a difference. However, you feel it. Yeah. You know, I know, Chris, you shave, you comb your hair, you know, you and but you have the T-shirt on, but you're clean and put together. Right. Well, what if you didn't shave? What if you didn't wash your hair? What if you did that every day? Would you feel as good about yourself? Probably not. And that's what happens with people at multiple levels in their life. And when they let go, and it's a it can be a really gradual thing where they just, oh, well, what difference does it make? Well, what difference? And they keep saying that to the point where it's devastating to their future. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, Paul, I've got one more for you. This one may take a few oh, minutes. No. I know. I know. It's one more. I've seen you utilize it so many times to help people do a full reframe on an incident that happened in their life, whether 
it was a negative that they need a positive outlook on or how they're trying to transition to something that's probably going to be a hard path and they need to go ahead and reframe how they think about it now to a positive and I guess the concepts referred to as looping but whenever you run into like a, a stalemate with a person where there's strong resistance right or like they're harsh like no I can't do it this is X Y and Z here's my excuses it's too hard it's not for me etc that you help go back to that point where they started arguing with you and start putting like positive reframes on it until you're able to pretty much recreate the cycle for them that hey now this is a positive outcome it's something I've seen you use a lot of times and it takes a lot of effort and body language and communication at that point to do that because you're changing somebody's mind about a concept that they can probably actually do but they're so negatively anchored to it that they are choosing not to even approach it that is about a 12-hour seminar right there i know (laughs) so and it's hard to summarize the way i feel inside with it is that it's a dance And you've got to get into the ebb and flow of the conversation. Real similar to, you know, if you're a sailor and understanding how to work with the water and work with the wind and work with what's out there, you can't fight it. You've got to flow with it. And the same thing with human energy and communication. So when someone's resisting, the worst thing that you can do often is to fight it. You know, so now you're two rams going at one another because you're both like, I'm right, no, I'm right, no, I'm right. So you need to give a little. Well, what happens when you give a little to a ram? Well, you know, they they can almost fall over because someone's moving moving hard in your direction and you just kind of give with them. Well, now they're off balance. That's what happens emotionally, that you give a little and you're like, I understand. I'm here with you. I get what you're saying. I'll even express back to them what they're saying. And they're like, yeah, that's it. And now they're, the resistance is starting to go away because I'm not fighting it. I'm agreeing with it. And then you can use techniques like, well, what if? Just what if? And you're absolutely right. And man, I've been there. I've seen it before. I've experienced it. I know just millions of people who have been in your same spot and they feel the same way. So like, I'm not telling you you're wrong. You're so right. But what if? What if I would tell you that when I experienced that so many years ago, man, I felt the same way you did. And then And then I did this, I thought this, I shifted this. And right after that, I had this amazing result. And let me ask you something. Do you want to hold on to the belief that it can't be, or are you open up to the possibility that would get you that greatness? It's up to you. And I'm not here to tell you what to do. And that give, take, and oftentimes... And I've done this where I'll press just enough till they're like, and you could feel it, where they're ready to like scratch, right? They're ready to take out the sledgehammer and then you back away, you give them some space and then you'll lean in again and then you back away and give them some space. And in that dance, you build a trust and you lower their resistance because you're not 
forcing them out of their position, you're working with them within it. Absolutely. And there, there's a component of stepping into their psychosis that is also another technique. Are you familiar with that? No. I can't even stepping into their psychosis. When you step into their psychosis, if someone says something that's so outlandish that you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Wait, that's just foolish. That's ridiculous. Well, if you start just fighting with them and telling them it's ridiculous, well, it's never going to be effective. They're just going to build resistance. However, if you totally agree with them and say, well, let's just say you're right. Well, then this would mean that all that would happen and this would happen and that would happen. And you begin to build the rest of the world around them being right. And what else has to be right in their world when this all works? And they'd be like, oh, well, that's not true. Wait, that, no, no, no. And they begin to see the fallacy of their design. And there's a way of stepping in and, there's a great story that may take longer than we have. And I'll talk about that another time. <laughs> but that would demonstrate this. But it's definitely learning how to really expand and step into whatever they're saying and say, okay, you're right. What would that mean? What would that look like? That's one of the strongest differences between you as a speaker and a trainer and a coach and mentor that I see with a lot of other individuals like Andy Elliott, great salesman, great closer, and pretty good you know, personal development things as well. But it's all about the lens and things like that, whereas you've got to be a pretty hard individual to go into his room and come out stronger, right? Because if not, he'll just break you and just, you know, you're done at that point, right? You didn't hang in there. You're not for that room. Whereas I've seen you go with a lot of people who were still at ground level. They hadn't already been through a lot and, and just nudge with them and then come back and break the resistance. And the way you've structured your masterminds and things where you keep getting these repetitive interactions, you see people make astronomical growth after a year and two and so on because of the way you're able to handle that and just keep them coming back, not punish them for it, just train them a little bit and bring it a little bit and keep bringing it in until they're the person they need to be. Almost every type of learning, every type of engagement where you want to bring someone and teach them, for instance, real estate, you want to teach them social media, you want to teach them a topic or a skill set. Most people aren't starting at expert status and then you start working with them from there. Right. They're starting from, I don't know what I don't know. I have no idea. And in that space, most people are scared. They're frustrated. They want to know more. They haven't been taught more. They just don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And you've got to go in there and reach a handout, say, it's going to be okay. Take one step forward. And you help them take one step forward in real estate. Make one call to one realtor. Make one call to one seller. Just one. And you help them take step by step. All right, now tomorrow we're going to do another and another. And you help them take those steps. And all of a sudden, they're taking step after step after step. And they're running. It's like teaching a kid how to ride a bicycle. And you're like, I'm right here with you. I've got the bicycle. I've got the bicycle. I'm holding on. And then they're running with the bicycle in front of you without you touching. And they didn't even realize you would let go. <laughs> That's effective training, coaching, engaging, helping people go from zero to 360. Just being able to run with, with the whole concept of everything that they could do and be totally empowered.
Absolutely, yeah. And that's what we do. Yeah, I've seen you help a lot of people remaster their entire lives. So, and that's why we keep having you back on this podcast and such like that. It's not just because I'm going to marry into the family and all that, right? This was a bonus. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. You heard it here first, guys. You heard it here first. I'm just saying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we missed part of it. What would you say? You said marry into the family. I, I'm just, I was looking for the, the I engagement. Know, I know. Well, with... I got to save up for a while. You know, she got high expectations. <laughs> I'm okay. With the there we go. <laughs> Uh, yes indeed we have a lot of fun we have some greatness around us and uh just amazing and chris with all that you're doing in real estate and all that you've been doing in uh really building a team and building your own uh image if you will quite impressive you're doing some great things thank you so much yeah and of course my daughter is amazing so i already knew that <laughs> she helps a lot <laughs> so where can everyone find you they can go to the maverickuniverse.com or paulfink.com both of which will get you into the community and get you into the universe you want a consult with me go to maverickoffer.com and we can actually talk real and engage in a one-on-one -on -one and spend a little time. And I got to tell you, this came up multiple times. I've been doing a ton of these consults recently, just in, with certain engagements I'm doing, and people are coming forward and actually uh, taking advantage of it. And so maverickoffer.com gets you right into my calendar, and when you show up, it will be me. It absolutely will be me. And somehow people think that a other subordinate would show up, and I wouldn't You're have twin. it any other way. <laughs> It's me. Your it's absolutely he has no twin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of his kids are twins. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again. And everything will be in the show notes. So you guys can check it out there and follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Thank you, Paul, for being on here again. Hope we gave the viewers and listeners a whole lot to offer here. And mm -hmm. hope we increase your sales, your communication. It'll probably help you with your communication, your relationship, with your boss. Whatever situation you're in, this is universal and you can use it in all aspects of your life. Just recognize when it can be applied and utilize it. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Very cool. Bye, guys. Bye.